0: Or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za Happy Father's Day, Living Hope Church. Wow, that was earful, right? Right, nothing says Happy Father's Day like uh, new socks, huh? Look at that. Right, look at my kids spoiling me. That's just one fear, there's another one, another cracker waiting for next Sunday. Um, It's good to be with you on this Sunday morning. Let's continue praying for the members of our church family because so many people are still sick, you know. So many people fighting the flu and uh, are weak and sick. And so let's keep praying for one another as we seek to find strength and ask the Lord to help us. Last week, we spent some time through a difficult passage in the book of Galatians, chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. A big section of the Bible, a very important section of the Bible, that we try to work through to understand this picture of um, what it means to be a child of God. But today, we're only going to focus on one verse. So last Sunday, all these verses, 21 to 31, today... Just one verse. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We have made our way to chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And let's read the Bible together. Paul says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That's it. That's our verse for today. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. One of the best movies I've seen when I was younger is a movie called Shawshank Redemption. I don't think you can preach from the book of Galatians, without referencing Shawshank Redemption at some point, right? Today it's happening. This is such an iconic and classic movie. Now, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a story of a guy who was falsely accused of doing something he didn't do. And then he ends up in prison, this place called Shawshank, for basically like a life sentence. He was going to have to sit in prison with no freedom for basically the rest of his life but this guy Andy was a very likable and intelligent man and so he ends up making friends with the other inmates in prison and after many many years of being locked up he comes up with this extreme plan to try and escape from this life behind bars from this life of no freedom The prison wardens actually liked him because he was polite and helpful towards the other inmates inside the prison. He was using his gifts and talents to help others. Because in the outside world, he was a very successful accountant. He was good at what he did, and so he ended up having lots of money. He knew what it was like to be free. To go where he wanted to go and to do what he wanted to do and he desperately wanted that freedom again and as you can imagine this is what prisoners do right with all the time they have of doing nothing they would sit around and talk about and and fantasize about what they would do if they ever got their freedom back But one of the most striking moments for me from this story is when one of the all the inmates gets released. This guy has been in prison for something like 25 years, and what they did back then is they gave this person, who was just released from prison, like a little hotel room to stay in, as he or she would plan and wait for where they will go and what they would do now that they are free. And for many of these prisoners, because it's been so long, they have no home to go back to no mom and dad it's waiting for them many of them don't have any relatives that are still alive that can come meet them uh, at this hotel room and sadly what would happen is that this guy who now has his freedom back who actually got out will end up hanging himself in that little hotel room because he did not know what to do with that new freedom he did not know what to do with that new freedom all he knew was a life of being locked up and it became too overwhelming to think about what he can do now that he's free in his mind it would have actually been better for him to stay in prison now that he's so old because he doesn't know how to live life as a free person anymore And so many of the former prisoners like him end up taking their own lives. And if you stop and think about it, it's this intense picture of how enslavement, which is like being in prison, is just as good as death, being dead. Just as good as death. Now, the main character of the movie, Andy, hears in, about this kind of thing and how this happens to those who uh, have been set free after being locked up for such a long time. And it made him even more diligent and passionate to find a way of escape before he ends up in that same state of mind. He knew what freedom was like and he wanted it back. And he did not want to forget how good it is. And if you think about it, that is kind of what Paul has been saying to the Galatians. They knew what new freedom they had in Jesus, but they were wanting to go back to prison instead, thinking that being locked up again under the, under the prison of the law makes more sense. Which is like saying, let's go back to death. Somehow that makes more sense. But there's a difference when it comes to true Christian freedom. Because someone that is sitting in a prison cell for a life sentence can actually have more freedom than a person who goes where he wants and does what he wants. Because when Paul talks about freedom here in Galatians, he is talking about a kind of freedom that is bigger and more glorious than any other kind of freedom this life can try to offer you. Because it's a kind of freedom that's actually not about you or your circumstances. But it's about how God has always had the purpose to set you free that you can freely love Him and enjoy Him forever. Having a treasure in Him that no one can take away from you, even if you are actually locked up in a real prison. And so think about it. All of us long for a kind of freedom in one way or another. I mean, Nelson Mandela had his long walk to freedom, fighting against racial division and inequality in this country. We want political freedom to be able to vote for who we want to vote for rather than having this dictator tell us what to do. We want freedom of speech to be able to say what we want to say and how we want to say it. We want freedom from all these regulations that tell us you must wear a mask. And there's only so many people allowed to be in service together. We want freedom of religion to be able to worship who we want to worship and how we want to worship but it's when we don't understand what paul is talking about when he talks about true christian freedom that is found only in jesus christ that some people either end up going back to a life of slavery and death by trusting in their own efforts to be right with god or instead of wanting freedom of religion they end up wanting freedom from religion. Where they think the true meaning of life is found when you can do whatever you want to do, and how you want to do it. Thinking that is what real freedom is. Now the book of Galatians, we we know by now, is divided up into three big sections. Chapters 1 and 2 have to do with biography. Where Paul labors to make the point that he is a true apostle because Jesus personally liberated him from his former way of works-based living and called him to this new life of proclaiming the gospel of freedom. Chapters 3 and 4 are filled with theology. Theology, where Paul repeatedly talked about the doctrine of justification by faith alone in Christ alone. And he unpacked so much doctrinal truth to help us understand our true freedom in Jesus. But now here in chapter 5 and onwards, he wants to get practical in this application of how to live in this freedom. In Galatians 5 verse 1, you could say it's like the, the main verse of the whole letter actually. Paul just finished explaining that the Galatians were not children of Hagar, the slave woman, but sons and daughters of Sarah, born again free by the promise of God. That both Gentiles and Jews, by faith in Jesus, are part of the new Jerusalem. Not because of how well they were keeping the law. And so after painting this picture from verses 21 to 31 in in chapter 4, he now gives the the main statement of the letter again. Here in chapter 5 verse 1 which is also a a transitional statement into what is coming. How the cross and the empty grave is applied to the lives of those who are free in Christ. So in a sense, Galatians 5.1 is a conclusion, the main statement, and a transitional introduction into the next practical section of the letter. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of things to do in one verse. So this is a very important Verse. And what we will see again from this verse today is that what Jesus did flows into what we do next in the Christian life. It's not the other way around. If you put it the other way around, you're getting the gospel wrong. And so when we look at the commands or the the imperatives from this verse, it comes after what Christ has already done for us. If we're going to understand what what liberation we have in Christ, what freedom we have in Jesus, then we need to know what kind of freedom Paul is talking about. Specifically. Which is part of the very purpose of what Christ came to do when He died in our place. And then secondly, we should know that what Paul says we should do to persevere in that freedom since we have been set free. So we're asking two questions of Galatians 5 verse 1. Two questions today. What is biblical freedom? And how do we persevere in that freedom? What is biblical freedom? And how do we persevere in that freedom? First Paul writes, For freedom Christ has set you free. For freedom Christ has has set you free. Now imagine your child comes to you and asks you, Daddy, why did Jesus come to die? The simple answer according to Galatians 5 verse 1 is what? To give us freedom. To give us freedom. Jesus came to set us free. But freedom from what, Daddy? Freedom from what? Why do we need Jesus to make us free? And the answer is because of our bondage to sin. Our bondage to sin. There's a life that we live apart from Jesus Christ that is a life of slavery. A life of being under the power of sin. A life of being under the law of God that shows us our sin. A life of having a guilty conscience all the time. A life of being under the the power of the devil. A life where you try to obey and be good, but you don't have the power to obey and be good. And as Paul has been arguing throughout the whole letter of Galatians, Christ has come to take the place of lawbreakers. So that we can walk out of this prison of self and sin as people who are truly free. Jesus came to be that great liberator to set us free from this life of enslavement. And so when we talk about freedom in the Bible, we are talking about a kind of freedom that is supernatural. This is a supernatural kind of freedom. Now when Paul says, for freedom, it's like he's saying, for freedom's sake. For freedom's sake, Christ has freed you to be free, so be free. For freedom's sake, Christ has freed you to be free, so be free. In other words, Christ died not to free you so that you can continue in this life of bondage. Christ didn't suffer with nails through His hands and feet to free you, So that you can turn to stuff like circumcision and and this life of, of doing, 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 trusting in your own efforts. Living a life as if His suffering did nothing. He freed you to be different because He freed you to be free. So live your life as someone that is free. Because you are no longer a slave, but a son. And you are no longer a child of Hagar, but of Sarah. And so the term freedom is used by Paul in, in a few places all over the New Testament. Let me give you a couple examples. Look at Romans 8 verse 20. Romans 8 verse 20. It says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. You see, the earth itself is in a kind of bondage because of sin, right? And the rest of creation is waiting to to be set free as well to find that freedom to be as glorious as what God intended it to be without sin and to have the same beautiful freedom as the liberated sons of God. Then there's 1 Corinthians 10, 29. And the freedom we have with our conscience. For why should my liberty, my freedom, be determined by someone else's conscience, Paul says. If I partake with thankfulness, Why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? And then we know this classic verse, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. We have freedom of conscience to love the person in front of us, to eat what we need to eat, to drink what we need to drink, all to the glory of God. But you see, it's when we detach our way of thinking from the gospel, From the freedom we have in Jesus. Then we start to ask questions like, Can a Christian have a beer? Can Christians go to rock concerts? The gospel gives us the freedom to enjoy what God has given us to enjoy. But the aim is to do it for His glory. Because 2 Corinthians 3.17, Paul now says... The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. In other words, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are filled and empowered by the Spirit of God, then you have real freedom to live as someone that is truly free. To live as someone that is being changed into the image of God. Of Christ, Because Paul goes on to say in verse 18, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. And there it is. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So if you have the Spirit, and you're beholding Jesus, guess what's going to happen to your life? You're going to look more and more like Jesus. And this is important truth for us to really understand because we know that we are all born into slavery, right? We're all born into slavery. We are all evil by nature. And because of sin, we are all going to die. And because of sin and death, the devil continues to confuse us and torment us so that we can be dragged down into the pits of hell. That's why true freedom Has nothing to do with your political opinion. It's got nothing to do with your social status. It's got nothing to do about having financial freedom with no monthly debts to pay. True biblical freedom means liberation from sin. Liberation from the fear of your enemy death. It means freedom from the power of the devil. And as Paul says here in Galatians, it's the kind of freedom that Christ has set us free for from freedom from the bondage of the law. So think about it. When Jesus came into this world and he died on that cross and he rose from the dead, he triumphed over what Paul calls the present evil age. He triumphed over the law and its demands, over death, over the power of sin, And the guilt that it produces. Paul explains that in Romans 6.17 again. Romans 6.17, Paul says, But thanks be to God, that you who were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. Paul is like, thank God. Thank God that we who are His children have been set free from sin and its power. And all that guilt that it produces when we fail. We are no longer slaves to to sin. But our obedience comes from this new heart. A heart that is committed to follow the teachings of Scripture, which ends up making us slaves of what? Slaves of righteousness. This is liberation language for all of us who continue to struggle with sin every single day. That's all we can say with Paul in Romans 8 verses 1 and 2. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of Moses brings about condemnation. It brings about slavery and it brings about death. Paul has been arguing for that for so long through the letter of Galatians. But as we have seen so many times before as well, that Christ has not set us free from the moral law, which is God's eternal will for His people. He has set us free from the law that leads to sin and death. This is the law that we break when we sin, that Satan uses to accuse us for our guilt and that sentences us to death. The law that puts you behind bars for the rest of your life unless someone comes to set you free. And Jesus is the only one who can do that. Jesus is the only one because the freedom we have in Christ says that the law no longer has that power over me. Jesus kept the law for me. He paid the penalty of death for me. He rose to victory over Satan for me. So the gospel of freedom says that God takes people with a bad record and an evil heart and He wipes that record clean and He makes us love Him and He makes us love what is holy and righteous and because He made us free to be holy and righteous. It's like when you try to get your kids to obey all that you say and they struggle to do it. Remember that that's exactly what you were like before Jesus had set you free. You also did not have the power to be able to obey God the way you should. And so our job is to keep leading our children to this fountain of grace and wisdom where they too can see their need for Jesus to set them free. Free to understand that by faith in Jesus, God does not accept anyone and how well they obey mom and dad. But because they see where they have sinned against the holy God, And they need someone to set them free. Free from the power of sin. Free from a guilty conscience. Free from the law and its whippings. And free from a life of self. And so I have to ask you right now, do you know this kind of freedom that Paul is talking about? Do you know this kind of liberation that Paul is talking about? Do you feel you are liberated from yourself, from all the work you try to do to seem impressive spiritually, to give the impression that you have it all together when you know you don't? Do you feel liberated from seeking God's approval and believe that you have His approval because of Jesus? Do you have a clear conscience to eat and drink and to whatever? To the glory of God. Do you believe you are really free from the power of sin? Even though you've asked for forgiveness for that same sin like a million times. Do you feel free to use your resources to the glory of God rather than to the glory of yourself? Because we know that freedom has an enemy. Freedom has an enemy and his name is legalism. Legalism, where we treat things that are good as if they are essential. The Judaizers did this with the Galatians. They started to treat good things as if they were essential things. That's why they would say at this big meeting they had in Acts 15, you remember this big meeting in Acts 15, they say, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. You cannot be a real Christian unless you're circumcised. And that kind of legalism wants to take away your freedom. And the problem with the enslaved legalistic person is that they become critical towards others. Have you seen that? They are judgmental because they don't like it when others are enjoying their freedom. And here's the sad reality. Judgmental people are not free people. Judgmental people are not free people people they get so worked up about what everyone else is doing or not doing that they forget to enjoy the freedom they have because of jesus and so we have to appropriately respond to this freedom we have by faith in christ because it's for freedom that christ has set us free We need to know how to live as people who have been set free unless we too want to be like that prisoner who ends up hanging himself because he does not know what to do with his freedom. And so that brings us to our second question. How do we persevere in that freedom? If biblical freedom is all that we have supernaturally by faith in Jesus, then Paul says, Stand firm therefore. And do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I just love what Paul does here because you would expect him to give us a list of things now that we should do since we have been set free by Jesus. You would think he would say something like, charge forward freely in the Christian life. Go now and do this as people who are free. But instead he just says what? Stand firm. Stand firm. If we are going to persevere in the freedom we have in Christ, then what we need to do in in the positive sense is to stand firm. And the idea behind the word stand firm is to dig in your heels. Dig in your heels. It's got a bit of a military tone to it where you must hold your ground against the enemy. The Galatians had to stand firm against the pressure of these Judaizers to get circumcised and to follow all the rules of the law as as a means of being justified. And again, Paul uses this idea of standing firm in many, many other places in the New Testament. Like 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith. Act like men, be strong, let all you do be done in love. Here Paul exhorts the liberated believers in Jesus to keep their eyes open, to stand firm in the faith, because that is what free, spiritually strong people do in the Lord. But then he also adds, let all you do be done in love. And I just love this combination between this this, this idea of strong and being macho, but being loving but being loving. How about Philippians 1.27? Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit. You see, the standing firm is something we actually do together. The person who has been set free by Jesus has been set free to be united to other believers who are standing together with their heels dug in and they are standing together in one spirit. There's also 1 Thessalonians 3.8 where Paul says, For now we live, now we can live if you are standing fast in the Lord. See, the fact that the church is standing firmly together is something that allows Paul to have life. He can continue with his mission to proclaim the freedom we have in Jesus if he is sure that the church is standing fast and firmly in the Lord together. But one of my favorites is 1 Corinthians 15.58. 1 Corinthians 15.58 where Paul tells the Corinthians, Therefore, My beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Since Jesus has given us victory over the sting of death, believers who are free in Jesus should be steadfast and immovable. And immovable is standing firm, right? There's no budging on the truth. There's no compromise to the truth. There's no moving on what you have come to know is true in Jesus. Even if death is knocking at your door. I mean, it's like when my son tries tries to tackle me when he was younger. He's running and he's giving it all he has, but it's like he's hitting a wall. I didn't even move one step because I was standing firm. In the same way, when the lies of the world and the desires of the flesh want to tackle you, you should stand firm in the freedom of the grace of God. And when we think of politics, we think of this party or this candidate that's standing for some sort of value system. God has given us as liberated Christians something to stand for And something to stand in and it's the gospel of grace that he freely gives so that we can be free people who are standing firm will be abounding in the work of the Lord people who are standing firm will be abounding in the work of the Lord people who know and believe that their religious life As one that's centered on Christ. One that waits for the glory that is to come. That even when suffering and death is around, they will be abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that their labor will not be in vain. In other words, someone that is free is someone that will reach others with the truth of Jesus Christ. They will not be content to just sit around and do nothing. And so, and so instead of having this to-do list, Paul gives the, the simple exhortation to, to hold your ground, to stand firm, to, to marvel at the grace that, that has set you free. We need to be people who are in awe of the freedom we have in Christ because even as we said last week, if we don't marvel and rejoice of how free we are in Jesus, we're not going to stand firm. We're going to fall over to the lies of the world. And we're going to want to go back to living a life of bondage and slavery. A life of trusting on what you do again. To make God happy with you. Which is kind of Paul's next exhortation or imperative. Because he says, and do not. Stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. This is the negative side to what Paul is saying. Standing firm is the positive. And do not submit again is the negative. And what Paul is saying is that like an animal that is made loose from pulling a plow, we should not seek to be hooked up again and go back to a life bent over, working ourselves to death by our own efforts. Paul uses these words very well because the Jews would have seen the law as this tool of liberation. For then the law somehow was freedom. But Paul says it's exactly the opposite. In fact, that big meeting they had in Jerusalem when they were talking about circumcision and the law, the apostle Peter mentioned the same thing. Acts 15.10 Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? So this is a big moment because Peter and the other apostles had to stand firm in that moment. And because they were standing firm in the truth of freedom and grace, Peter is able to say, verse 11, the very next verse, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Just as they will. God does not make anyone free by reverting to all these Jewish rituals and traditions. It's rather that all these traditions and religious behavior enslaves you. And if that is how you live your life, then you are nothing more than a beast that is plowing away to its own destruction. And So we have to ask ourselves, if the good news of freedom is really such good news, then what makes enslavement seem better? How could these guys think that enslavement is better? And it's because it looks promising at first. But then it ends up being discouraging and disappointing. It gives you the sense that you are all spiritual, busy doing all these external things, but it doesn't take you very long to realize that you are tired of doing all these things and you're going nowhere. It can be easy for some people to want to go back to their former way of living By looking at their past and the way they grew up perhaps and what's happened in their life and have this mindset of once an addict, always an addict. Once an addict, always an addict. I can't really change. You think of a person that used to be enslaved to drugs and who has been liberated from using drugs and they've been clean for years. This is all part of their past but now they are tempted to use those same drugs again because they think that by using these substances it will bring them the joy and freedom they are looking for. And it's just part of who they are when in fact they know how enslaving it is. The gospel of freedom says, I am not who I used to be. I am not who I used to be. Our identity is not found in the sins of our past. Whatever thing it is that wants to control you, you can find the freedom you are looking for, but then you must come to Jesus Christ and to Him alone. You must come to Jesus and Him alone. You must come to the one who was falsely accused for you and died for you so that you can be free. Have you come to Jesus and has He set you free? Are you standing firmly in that freedom. Freedom is not simply doing what you want to do. Biblical freedom is something supernatural because it took the blood of Jesus to make this freedom possible. And we've been called by God to live as people who are truly free. Free to live under the grace and not under the law and our own efforts. And so how can I know if I'm standing firm in that freedom and grace? Let me just mention a few things in, in closing here today. Firstly, if you're standing firmly in that freedom, you are not devastated when you are criticized by other people. You are not devastated when you are criticized by other people because if your God is the approval of other people, then what other people think and say about you will control you. But someone that is free in Jesus is someone that is not controlled, by what others think and say about you. Second, you are not judgmental then of others. Someone that is living in a way that relies on their own performance will not be happy when they see other people living out their freedom. It's easy to be judgmental of others when, from your perspective, they are living in a way that is not keeping with all the rules. When they're living in a way that is not keeping with all the traditions of your culture. Someone that understands the freedom they have in Christ will rather seek to abound in the work of the Lord and not abound in criticizing others. Thirdly, you don't think you're better than others simply because you get some of the things right. It's easy to become a legalist when other people compliment you on how well you do things that seem so spiritual. And perhaps because you've made progress in certain areas of your life, you can be tempted to think you are more spiritual than other people. Where eventually leads to thinking, I just actually want other people to be more like me. If only they would do things as seriously and as excellently as I do them because I am a real blessing to other people. Someone that is free in Jesus does not make it about them. they make it about him. They are standing firm in what Jesus has done. Fourthly, you serve God with a clear conscience. Someone that is free, standing firmly in their grace, is someone that serves God with a free, clean conscience. Having biblical freedom means that we can eat and drink and do whatever to the glory of God. But that is actually the important part. Are we doing it to the glory of God? Some Christians get so worked up about what you can and cannot do and deep down it's not so much the the glory of God they have in mind, it's more wanting to simply live according to what brings them pleasure. God has given us the, the liberty and the freedom to enjoy so much in this life and to be a witness of that freedom in this life that we have in Him but it continues to take wisdom and the community of faith to help each other live out that freedom. Because we're living in a world that, wants, that tells you, you need to be like them. And lastly, someone that is standing firm does not think they have the strength to obey all by themselves. They don't think they have the strength to obey by themselves. They recognize that God is the one that must help them to obey. And they rely on the grace He provides through His Word, through dependence in prayer, through the reliance on the Holy Spirit, through fellowship with other believers to be able to move forward in the Christian life. Like how one commentator kind of tries to explain, he says, to go back to the law is to become entangled in a maze of do's and don'ts and to abandon spiritual adulthood for a second childhood. Sad to say, there are some people who feel very insecure with liberty. They would rather be under the tyranny of some leader than to make their own decisions freely. There are some believers who are Frightened by the liberty they have in God's grace. So they seek out a fellowship that is legalistic and dictatorial. Where they can let others make their decisions for them. This is comparable to an adult climbing back into the crib. People who are standing firm in the freedom and grace are people who keep their eyes on Jesus. who see the mess of sin in their own hearts and knows that they are in the process of being changed. That God has set them free to be able to change. And that by trusting and relying and marveling at the grace they have in Him, they can know how to live as people who are truly free. Free from the power of sin. Free from the guilt of sin. Free from the sting of death free from the power of the devil and free from themselves and their own efforts who wants that kind of freedom i know i do free to love god and love others preserve persevering in that freedom by standing firm through being all in what jesus has done for you on the cross for freedom Christ has set us free. What are you going to do with that freedom this week? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that when we consider what true biblical freedom is according to your word, Lord, we see there is so much more. It's so much bigger. It is indeed something supernatural where you take sinners like us and slave to our our own selfishness and slave to wanting to do things only the way we want to do it, denying your existence, denying your holiness, taking people who are locked up in the prison of self and self-effort, and that you love us so much that you would send your son Jesus, the great missionary Jesus, to come and open up that prison door. To set us free from a life of sin. To set us free from being enslaved to the fear of death. Setting us free from a life of selfish pride where we think we can do things in a way that make us seem better than other people. Father, help us to recognize how firmly we need to stand in your grace every single day, preaching the gospel of freedom to ourselves every single day, knowing how much we have been forgiven in Christ. And because we have been forgiven so much in Jesus, Lord, we seek to abound in the work of the Lord. To use our our liberty and our freedom, not as a means just for our own selfish desires and sins and pleasures, but to use our freedom to make the gospel look beautiful to the rest of this world. Instead of being people that are so judgmental all the time, and critical all the time, to make us people that are loving all the time. Thank you that your gospel truly sets us free from ourselves. Thank you that you give us new hearts, hearts that are are eager to obey you and love your word and love the truth. And so, Father, when the lives of this world come, and we know they will, when the pressures of society comes and says, conform to our way of living, Lord, may we stand firm. Help us as a church body to stand firm together and the grace we have received through Jesus Christ. And we pray this in His name. Amen.